Today, we come to the third of the I Am statements. And um, we've looked at um, earlier uh, two others, the, the bread of life in uh, John chapter 6, and the light of the world in John 8. And uh, in each of these I Am statements, the, uh, the phrase I am uh, is, is a very important one. In the Greek, it's ego eimi, which doesn't necessarily mean a lot for, for most people, but that's uh, the equivalent of Exodus 3.14, if you were to take the Hebrew text, where God revealed himself as the self-existent one. That would be, if you looked at the Septuagint, the Greek version of the Old Testament, that would be the expression that would be used, I am, the self-existent one. So when Jesus used that expression, he, he was very clearly identifying himself as God. And so we looked at uh, the bread of life, John 6, uh, the light of the world, John 8. And in the passage before us today in John chapter 10, there are actually two I am statements that are very closely connected with each other. Uh, I am the door and I am the good shepherd. Uh, And they are not the same. Uh, The door and the shepherd are distinct. um, And so they'll be treated as distinct. They're they're very closely connected. So we have to recognize that. And you'll see that when we look at the text. And as we look at each of these I am statements, it's been evident, I hope, that that the context, the setting, is very important. Uh, When we looked at the bread of life, that was set in in a context where Jesus had fed 5,000, and there were those who were seeking him, and he said, you're not looking for the signs, you're, you simply had the bread. They, there were all the baskets left over of the, the bread that was left over, and so they were being focused upon the, the tangible things, the temporal things, and he, he shifted their attention to the bread of life. And in the, I am the, the light of the world, the setting there was in a context of spiritual darkness. And so you had this stark contrast between light and darkness. We traced that out last time. And then the dramatic outplaying of I am the light occurred in the Feast of Tabernacles at the cessation of the lighting of these massive candelabra in the temple courtyard. And so in the, in the absence of that light, he said, I am the light. And so we come today to the door, and uh, as we'll see when I work through this text, I I pray, uh, just some some cursory observations that I think will be be helpful for us. Number one, this deals with sheep, and sheep are very vulnerable creatures. Uh, They're easily victimized if they're not protected. The sheepfold is a place of safety, security, protection, refuge for the sheep. Uh, The sheepfold has one door, only one door. One way in, one way out. And the sheep belong to the shepherd. The sheep know the the, the voice of the shepherd. The the shepherd knows his own. They're described as his own. They belong to him. He identifies with his sheep. And there are others who try to gain access to the sheepfold, and they have ill intent. Um, Those are the thieves and the robbers, the predators, and uh, so they are excluded Uh, by the doorkeeper. The doorkeeper only grants access to the right person, the shepherd, uh, and he is the the one who watches the door. And again, the door is really the only way in, the only way out. It's a singular point of access. So that said, let me read the passage uh, before us in John 10, and then we'll 
provide an overview as we, we work through it. But Scripture says in John 10, the Lord begins his, his, um, his treatment by saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep but climbs up some other way, he's a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech... Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were, which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, even as the Father knows me. And I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice. And they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. What you'll see at the bottom of your page one of your handout is a representation of a sheepfold in ancient Israel. And what you'll notice about that is typically they were constructed by stone. Uh, they would be, it's a walled enclosure, and at the top of the, the, the sheepfold there would be briars, and um, the briars were designed to deter those who would be trying to climb over the wall. And you'll notice that there's one door, and you'll notice if you look carefully that there's a, a doorkeeper there, and that, that door is the way in and the way out. That's, that's the context into which Jesus spoke about sheep and sheepfolds and what it looked like. So on page two, an overview. Um, the, the metaphor of sheep and shepherds runs throughout Scripture. It's, it's often used in some of our favorite passages of Scripture that we'll look at. Matter of fact, Psalm 23. Uh, speaks specifically about the Lord is my shepherd, and uh, I shall not want. Um, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, and so on. But not all the shepherds that are pictured in Scripture were good shepherds. Many of them were evil shepherds. They were negligent shepherds. 
Ezekiel 34, it's not referenced in your notes, but it's a, an obvious passage. If you look there, the, the, the scripture speaks in a very, very caustic way, a very judging way with the shepherds of Israel who tended to themselves and did not care for the sheep. They were only seeking their own advantage. They, they really were not watching after the sheep. The sheep were being victimized under their watch. You can't even call it care because they weren't extending any particular care. In Jeremiah 2, there's a description of priests who didn't even know the Lord. They weren't seeking for him. And they, they committed iniquities and transgressions against the Lord. So not all the, the, the shepherds that are described in the scripture are good shepherds. That will become more important when we look next week, Lord willing, at the fourth I am statement, which is I am the good shepherd. But uh, in, in matter of fact, during the, the first century, when we had this setting, when Jesus is speaking, uh, and, and the, we'll look at the context very closely, but he described the, the people that he looked at, and it was a, a very pained expression, a troubled expression. He said, they're like sheep without a shepherd. And he was, he was pained, he was grieved because of what he saw. The, the function of a shepherd is to care for the sheep, is to watch for the sheep, to, to protect the sheep. To, to guard them from, from danger, to lead them in a good path, to, to do that which is, is essential for their health and their well-being. And he, he looked around and, and he just saw the, the people lost without a shepherd. The shepherds in his day were the Pharisees. They, they knew the law. They, they could recite the, the, the law verbatim. They, they knew, at least intellectually, the law, but the law was not being lived out in their lives. They were lost. Not all of them, but, but the, the, the vast majority of them were lost. So there were some that in God's mercy he drew to a saving knowledge of himself. But they, they, these were the shepherds of his day. And it was a, a particularly dangerous time for them because the shepherds were not looking after their people. And the, the danger that you see with the Pharisees is not only did they not point the, the sheep to the shepherd... Uh, the true shepherd of their souls, they, they said this, this man who claims to be Messiah, this man who claims to be God, is a wicked man. He's, he's one that you should avoid. And we'll see in, in, uh, in the passage before us that uh, when you profess faith in Jesus, they would put you out of the synagogue. That's, that's a big deal. You became an outcast in, in your society, an outcast in, in your, your environment. They would put them out. They would, they would exile them. And so these were the, the worst possible shepherds. They, they did not affirm him, and they did not want others to affirm Christ. And that's really the backdrop of this whole setting of the door and, and the sheepfold and the shepherd. So when Jesus speaks of himself, and he says in verse 7 and verse 9, I am the door, uh, he, he is identifying himself with the sheep. He's identifying himself with the sheepfold. He's identifying himself with the shepherd. And, and so the, the door and the shepherd are obviously very closely related, not only in the text, but in terms of their meaning. But, it, but I, I've chosen to deal with the, the shepherd motif next week separately just because it deserves its own attention. But, but I'm not saying that they're, they're not related. They're very closely related. But the door deserves its own attention as well. And so if Jesus is the door, and he is of the sheepfold, then we've got to understand what it is that he was protecting and, and what the, the essence of that door is. Remember, the function of the sheepfold had, was really one thing, safety, security, refuge, 
a place of protection. That was the real purpose because they would be led out during the day to be fed. They would be led out by the shepherd and at night where they would be brought in because it was a dangerous environment. There were predators that would, would rip them up. And the only place they could be safely kept at night was in, in the confines of a sheepfold. And Jesus says, I'm the door to safety. I'm the door to refuge. I'm the door to protection for you. And there are enemies out there that are after you. And that's, that's really the, an overview of where we are. Page three, I mentioned earlier the, the setting. We, we, we talked earlier about how the bread of life was in the setting of the feeding of the 5,000 and people being satisfied with, with temporal things, just ordinary bread. You're even reminded when Jesus quoted um, Deuteronomy, uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So there was always this physical bread, and then he would take that, those physical elements, and he would say, it's not just the physical element, it's, it's what that element represents. It's, it's the bread that will really feed your soul and lead you to eternal life. It's not the, the, the bread that is that's cooked in an oven. And that's, you need that for your temporal life, but what you really need for your soul is the bread of life. And so we would always take these physical motifs and he would move them into an entirely different arena of importance. Well, the setting is in John 13, or John 9, pardon me, verses 13 to 40. And, and it's a controversy. There was a, uh, they, they brought to the Pharisees a man who was formerly blind. In verse 1 of chapter 9, it says that this man was born blind. He'd always been blind. And the day on which this occurred was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. What had happened was Jesus found this, this, uh, this man who was born blind, and he, he spat into the ground, and he made clay, and he applied it to the, to the, to the man's eyes, and he said, go wash in the, in the pool of Siloam, and, and he did, and he came out seeing, absolutely restored, perfect sight. And so this is, this, he was done on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees were asking him, this, this man formerly blind, how he received his sight. And he said to them, he applied clay to my eyes, and I washed, and I, I see. And some of the Pharisees were saying, this man is not from God. These were the shepherds of the time. This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, how can a man who's a sinner perform such signs? Not everyone was completely misled. Some people noticed that there was something extraordinary taking place, and there was a division among them. So... They said to the blind man again, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said, he's a prophet. The Jews then, the Jews in, in John's gospel refers to the religious authorities, did not believe it of him that he'd been blind and received sight. I mean, that could never happen. They, they were materialists for all intents and purposes until they called the parents of the very one who had received his sight and questioned them saying, is this your son? who you say was born blind, then how does he now see? His parents answered them and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we don't know. Or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. You notice they distanced themselves from this. His parents said this, why? Because they were afraid of the Jews, the authorities, the shepherds of the time. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him 
Jesus to be Christ, the Messiah, he was to be put out of the synagogue. And for this reason, his parents said, he's of age, ask him. So a second time they they asked him, and the man who'd been born blind said to him, and they they said to to the man, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. That was, they, they had already come to that conclusion. He then answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. So they said to him, well, what did he do to you? How, how did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You do not want to become his disciples, do you? Now, that, he's a pretty testy guy. He, he, was, he was getting pretty much back in their face. They reviled him and said, you were his disciple, but we were disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he is from. Now, he had already made that evident very clear where he was from, but he's, he's going to make that more clear as time goes on. The man answered them, well, here's an amazing thing, that you do not know where he is from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't hear sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears him. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born entirely in sins, and are you teaching us? So they put him out. Those are the shepherds of his day. They put him out. They excommunicated him summarily right there on the spot. They made him a pariah in his own culture. Page four. In John 9, um, the the response is one of worship. The the man who's born blind affirms the Lord Jesus. Jesus heard that they'd put him out. Here's a sheep who's been cast out, and he's he's in danger. And he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and he is the one talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And notice what he did. He worshipped him. He worshipped him. And so Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world so that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, We're not blind too, are we? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But but since you say, We see, your sin remains. The the evidence was right there in front of them. He'd manifested a sign, right? And they knew testimony from the man who'd been delivered from blindness. And they rejected it summarily. Their, their heart was darkened, and these are the, the shepherds of the time. Well, in John 10, then that's the setting of, of, of this whole uh, discussion about the sheepfold and the door. And there's a number of players. We'll, we'll sort of unpack this as we go, but there's a number of participants that we need to identify and a number of features that we'll identify. But the way that he begins, Jesus does, his discussion is with a phrase that is unique to the Gospel of John. And it's verily, verily in the King James. It's truly, truly in the, in the New American Standard. And it means most assuredly. And Merrill Tinney, who is a New Testament scholar of his day, said that this phrase is unique to John's Gospel. And it generally introduces 
a solemn asseveration about Jesus or his mission. And if you're not familiar with the term asseveration, I had to look that up too. It means a solemn pronouncement, a declaration. Basically saying, you need to listen. This is extremely important. This is critical information that I'm providing. And John uniquely used this expression to quote Jesus as saying, you need to get this. This is a solemn declaration. This is the most important thing that you can possibly understand. Truly, truly. What does he say? I am. The pronouncement is, I am. Ego me, the, the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not, listen, did not hear them. Now, what he is not saying, he is not referring to the prophets. He's not referring to the law when he's saying those who came before me are thieves and robbers. Because he, he affirmed the law. He affirmed the prophets. So just to be abundantly clear, he was not at all undermining the authority of, of the prophets and the law. He was saying that there were those who came that were pretenders to be shepherds. They were pretenders to be the door. There were, they were counterfeits. They, they were evil, wicked people that did not care for the souls of those entrusted to them. But the sheep did not hear them. A, a true sheep will hear the voice of his master. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, uh, but th- that is the work of God, that they hear the voice of their master. If you've heard the voice of the master and you identify with the shepherd of your souls, that's because God has opened your eyes. And the true sheep that were chosen in him before the foundation of the world will hear the voice of the shepherd. They will not be misled. They will come to the shepherd. If anyone enters through me, remember that one door, it's the only place to gain access, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Well, again, the nature of the sheepfold, just as, just as we unpack this, a place of security, a place of protection, a place of refuge, a place of shelter. Why did you need it? Because, it, because the, the environment was, was replete with thieves, those who would come in, in the night and steal sheep. And there were wolves that would come and, and lay waste to the animals. They, they, they fed on those animals. They, 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 they were not safe in, in any place out in the field other than in a sheepfold. It was the only place they could be where they knew they would be protected and they would lay down and they would be safe. I'm reminded of Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Yeah, that was, this was the valley of the shadow of death, but the sheep didn't know that. They're not, I'm told, particularly bright creatures. They can be stubborn creatures, but they need to be protected. And we all fall into that same category. We do, we're not spiritually bright in our own being, but we need desperately to be protected. And we have God, because of his mercy, a, a shepherd who cares for our souls. It's a place of belonging because they, all of the sheep in that flock went in the same place. And, and they, sometimes it would be more than one flock, but the, the flocks would all hang together. And so all of the sheep there belonged to the same flock. And they were identified with the shepherd. The scripture says, and, and, and the custom of the day would be the same, that they knew the voice of the shepherd. They would respond to their shepherd's voice. They would not respond to the voice of a stranger. They knew the voice of the, the shepherd. Sometimes I'm told the shepherd actually had names for the sheep, just like we have names for our pets. And so... They, he would identify with them, and he'd call them, and they would, they would come when, when, they, when, he would, when he would summon them. But they all belonged to, to the shepherd. And the scripture says in John 10, 4, when he puts forth all his own he, sheep, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. 
A stranger they simply will not follow, but they will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Well, let's look at the players. Who are the participants, the, the, the people that we need to identify as we sort of unpack this, this, uh, this saying that Jesus has? The King James says that it was a parable, and, and the word that's used in, in John's gospel is not the technical word for parable that's used in Matthew 13. It's not, strictly speaking, a parable. It's a, a saying that Jesus had. But there's a number of participants, a number of features that we need to identify, and, and the thief and the robber. The thief and the robber are the enemies of the sheep. John 10, um, verse 1, He who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep but climbs up some other other way is a thief and a robber. There's always those who try to gain access in unauthorized channels. They, they, They try to accomplish their will through illegitimate means. And the, the, the thief and the robber were people of ill intent. They, they were not caring for the sheep. They were caring strictly for themselves. And so they would attempt to gain access, not through the door, because the doorkeeper would not allow them entrance. So they would try to find other ways to get in. And that's why there were briars on top of the, of the, the, the walls. But the word for thief is kleptase, and I'm thinking that that may be a word that we actually get kleptomaniac from, someone who actually steals things, a trickery. And a robber, these words are are very close in meaning. They're they're synonymous to a large extent. But to give you a flavor of of this, the thief is used three times in John 10, and and the only other time that it's used in John is in John 12, and there refers to Judas, of all people, the one who kept the treasury box, the one who was a thief. It literally means one who plunders openly with violence, who steals in secret by fraud and cunning. Metaphorically, it's a a false teacher. These are people who try to gain access some other way. The robber, used twice in this passage, and there's a a typo. It should be John 18, not John 12. But John 18, it refers to Barabbas. Barabbas was the one who was indicted, convicted as a murderer, and he, he was the one that was released in lieu of Jesus. Remember, they offered, who, who shall I release? And they said, give us Barabbas. And he was just a criminal. These are, that's the thief and the robber. That's the, these are the ones that try to gain some other way. Top of page six. Some other way. That's really important because when you consider the fact that Jesus is referring to a place of safety, he's repla- referring to a place of refuge, of protection, of security. He's, he's moving this well beyond just the physical realm. He's talking about their souls. And there is no other way. There is, there's only one door. That's, that's the, the takeaway of this, this saying. That's the takeaway. There's only one door. And there would be those who would try to get in some other way. And that happens today. There are always those who try to find in some other way, the, the way of their own invention. And they're defeated. There is no other way. There's only the door. But their intent, the thieves and the robbers, was, Scripture tells us, they only had one goal, and that's to, 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 uh, to steal and kill and destroy. What a contrast. Look at what Jesus is saying about himself. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Why did he come? So that they might have life and have it abundantly. They came for death. He came to give them life, and not just any life, an abundant life, a rich life, 
a fulfilling life. Well, the door was this access to the sheepfold. We, we've said that on a number of occasions, but there were any number of people that would try to gain access to the door. And, and it was the function of the, the doorkeeper to, to limit that. There was exclusivity as to who could possibly enter. John 10, verse 2, But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, not to anyone, but to the shepherd. The only one who had rightful access to enter the sheepfold, a place of safety, a place of security, a place of refuge, and ultimately speaking of the security of our souls, is, is the, the shepherd, Jesus himself. And that's who I, Jesus identifies himself. And you can see this juxtaposition of the door and the shepherd. They, they really merge in our thinking, but they're, they're separate metaphors, and they, they serve somewhat different functions. But Jesus very clearly says, I am the door. And the promise that follows when he says this, he, he never just leaves us hanging. What's the implication of the fact that I am the door? He who enters through me will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And it's a picture of fruitfulness. It's a picture of safety. It's a picture of being where you want to be. It's a picture of being under the watchful care of a shepherd who cares for you. Well, J.C. Ryle was speaking about this religious environment of his days, and there was an institutional religion with the Church of England, and so he makes some statements that may seem a little alien to, to us, but, um, but he, he has expository thoughts on the Gospels. It's a wonderful resource, and I'll, I'll use it often. It's, it's a wonderful place to go. But the things he said in his day are absolutely true in our day. The door must mean something far more than outward calling and commission. The Jewish teachers, at any rate, were not deficient in that point. They had all the right credentials, didn't they? They, had, they, they, they were taught. They, they, were, they, they were educated. Uh, they had their seminary degrees, so to speak. Um, they could trace their orders directly to Aaron himself. Ordination is no proof that a man is fit to show others the way to heaven. He may have been regularly set apart by those who have authority to call ministers, and yet all his life may never come near the door and may, be, may die some, nothing better than a thief and a robber. He was talking about those in institutional religion in England, and it's the same thing today. If we look at so-called evangelicalism in the, in the so-called church at, at large, there are those that have the right credentials. It's an institutional, an institutional religion. The truest sense of the door must be in what the Lord says, I am the door. Now, look at the relationship that J.C. Ryle draws between the door and the shepherd, the true shepherd of the souls. And I'm going to make a pastoral application of this in just a moment. But the true shepherd of the souls is one who enters the ministry with a single eye to Christ, desiring to glorify Christ, doing all in the strength of Christ, preaching Christ's doctrine, walking in Christ's steps, laboring to bring men and women to Christ, to the door. That's really the only thing they want to do. The false shepherd enters the ministerial office with little or no thought about Christ and just self-exalting motives. Just continuing on on the next page. The man who makes much of Christ is a pastor. And the scripture, when the, when the New Testament uses the term pastor, literally he's referring to a shepherd. It, it, it's just taking that... that that, that metaphor of the shepherd and, and applying it to a, a, a man who is called to be a pastor. 
The man who makes much of Christ is a pastor after God's own heart, whom God delights, delights to honor. The minister who makes little of Christ is one whom God regards as an imposter. He goes on to say, the passage before us is a sorrowful and humbling one. And this is a very important point that he makes. It condemns the Jewish teachers of our Lord's time. All men can see there was no door in their ministry. If we would know the value of a man's ministry, we must never fail to ask, where is the lamb? Where is the door? Does he bring forward Christ? Does he give him his rightful place? So it's, it's, there's a, a role here, and I'm, the, the transition here is, so you've got the door. Who was watching after the door? You had one doorkeeper. You had a, a, a man who knew the identity of the shepherd. You had a man who cared for the sheep. He was not asleep at his watch. He, the, the doorkeeper was one who said, I recognize the shepherd. I know the shepherd. And if someone call, uh, comes and, and tries to gain access and they're not the shepherd, they will not be admitted. My, my job is to protect the integrity of the sheepfold. I think you know where I'm going on this. But the, the, the doorkeeper is the, the guardian of the, of the sheepfold. In the New Testament, a, a, a pastor, a shepherd, an elder is technically an under-shepherd. We have one true shepherd of the church. That's Jesus Christ. Under-shepherds are those who serve under his authority, who serve under his, his watch. And, and a pastor, an elder, has one responsibility, and that's to serve at the behest of the, the true shepherd of the church, to watch after the, the sheep that are entrusted to their care. And Peter says, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, partaker of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you. And he goes on to say, proving to be examples of the flock. And Peter goes on in this passage in 1 Peter 5 and verse 8 to deal with the same dynamic that existed in the first century with the sheepfold and, and the, the metaphor that Jesus was using in John 10. Be of sober spirit, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We, we live in times of danger. And the sheep need to be protected. The, the danger is, is very, very real. And the purpose of a doorkeeper, the purpose of an under-shepherd, is to watch the door, is to, to make sure that, that no false shepherds come in, that no untruth is propagated, that the integrity of the message is there. And so Acts 20, this is a, an excerpt from Paul's message to the elders at the church at Ephesus, he met them in Miletus, and it was his farewell message to them. And he issues a word of comfort, encouragement, but very importantly, a word of warning. He tells them what's going to happen. Uh, he says in verse 28, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. And so you can see how often this metaphor of the flock is used. Among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. Notice how he describes uh, the the, the, the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Now, you can't get anything much more precious than something that's been purchased by the very blood of our Savior. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not, share, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. So there, there would be those who would come in from without, 
and somehow there there had been those who would infiltrate from within. Somehow they got inside the sheepfold, and so the, the, he was admonishing the elders. You, you've got some of them may have snuck in unwatched, and you've got to to identify them and get them out because they're dangerous. They they, they have one goal only, and they're savage wolves, and they will ravage the flock. It's the same dynamic. It's it's this danger, and, and it's often occurs. First Peter five talks about the devil. Acts 20 talks about the danger of the flock. And in every case, the, the function is to watch over the, 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 those entrusted. Be on the alert, he, he tells them in verse 31. And then in Jude, beloved, I was make this is a, a, a short little letter, but it's, it's a very sobering letter talking about the dangers of the times. I was making every effort to write about our common salvation, but I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed, long, long beforehand marked out for condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our Lord God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. The, the New Testament speaks often, just like the, the Old Testament speaks of in, in uh, Ezekiel 34 about false shepherds and about dangers to the flock. And the New Testament uses that same metaphor. And when Jesus says, I am the door, he, he's, he's emphasizing over and over in that short little passage in John 10 that there is one way in and anyone who tries to, to gain access has to be prohibited. They have to be kept out because they only have one goal in mind and that is to, to damage, to kill, to destroy those who belong to the shepherd. They've got to be kept out. That door has got to be guarded. And Jesus says, I am the door. I'm the only way of access. No other way. So the sheepfold imagery, two things just to take away. One is that God has a place to, to take his sheep, and they will be safe forever. That's our sheepfold. That's our place in heaven. That's our eternal sheepfold. There will be no predators in heaven. There will be no thieves and robbers in heaven. All of those will be gone. But second, if sheepfolds have only one door and Jesus is the door, then the only way to find eternal security, safety, is through him. And so we're going to be looking at John 14, 6, subsequently, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Another precious I am saying, I am the way, the truth, the life. So the door, one door. If you come away with anything, just thinking about this metaphor about the door, Think about the fact that there is one mediator, one, no, no, no other, no man, no, no saint, no, 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 nobody else, no created being can ever be the mediator. There is one God and one mediator, one in between, and that door is the in between between the outside world and the inside world. That that door is, in an essence, the mediator. But there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave Himself as a ransom for all. The testimony given at the proper time. So just in closing, just uh, J. Siddle Baxter said this, when, when Jesus made these wonderful statements about himself, he didn't come merely to show them the door, to describe the door, to, to portray the door. He said, I am the door. There is no other way in. There's no other way out. If you want to have a place of safety, I'm the door. One mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, the door. And if you walk in through him and him alone, 
and you will find safety and security for your souls, and you will be protected from all the predators in this life because he will guard you. You belong to him. You're, you're his flock if you, if you enter through that door and you know the voice of the shepherd. Father,